it's about damn time. You big dummy. That is blasphemous. Boots to asses. All right, everybody, what's going on? This is the Philly Experience Podcast. Great to be back with everybody today. Joined, as always, by Tanner Gilmartin, entire hood. I'm your host, Max Gretzula. Guys, a ton to get to today. Phillies, Eagles, maybe even a little Sixers. Obviously, we want to start with the Birds as the season comes to an end here. We want to touch on Hurts. Obviously, getting the start this weekend against the Saints. Ooh, on yeah! As well, getting hired by the Phillies. And maybe a little uh, preseason talk for the Sixers as they get ready to start their season on December 23rd. Enough is enough. Start Center playing with some jam in here. Let's go. So let's let's roll into this, T. I want to get your thoughts. We all saw it on Gridiron Films. Mm-hmm. All the, uh, you know, misplays, all the issues. Uh, a few good plays, but for the most part, another underperforming day by the Eagles this past Sunday. So going forward here against a Saints team who – Probably the best in the NFC so far this season, a 10 and 2 record with a backup quarterback in Taysom Hill, who has shown signs of improvement from previous seasons, obviously getting more opportunity in the passing game with Drew Brees being hurt with that rib injury. Mm-hmm. So, what are your expectations for, I guess, Jalen Hurts just in his first start? Uh, I, I would assume that, you know, he's going to be in there the whole game. I don't expect Wentz to overtake him at any point or uh, have any packages even because we saw. Earlier in the season, as it's gone on, Hurts had a few packages. He would play a few downs, but I don't expect once to see the field in this one. How about you? So, in terms of my expectations, to answer your first question, um, my expectations are low for Jalen Hurts, and I'm going to be honest with you guys. Um, He's a young kid. He's a rookie coming in. Yeah, he made a few flashy plays, but when you look at the stat line, the stat line just about equaled out to what Carson Wentz did. The difference is Jalen Hurts did that in one quarter where it took Carson Wentz an entire first half to do all those things. So I guess that's one thing that you can kind of look up to. Um, what I do expect, though, is here's the one here's one major difference between Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz going into this game, and I think that's going to be the ultimate difference maker, and it's the way they make plays with their legs. So Carson Wentz, um, he, he, he really doesn't have a really good pocket presence. I've addressed that on the many of Gridiron Films episodes. Like it, it's, it's one of those things where it, it frustrates me because for a fifth-year quarterback, you kind of expect a fifth-year quarterback to have you know that kind of timing and that kind of awareness in the pocket at this point, and he just doesn't have it this season. He's never really had it, as a matter of fact, if you go back and look. Even during that 2017 year, for the most part, that offensive line moved, and it kind of helped Carson Wentz you know, open up those passing lanes for him. So, you know, um, the thing with Jalen Mills coming – I mean, not Jalen Mills, she's Jalen <laughs> – Jalen Hurts coming into this game is the fact that he can extend plays with his legs. Not only that, but, you know, he can evade the pressure, as we've seen um, on one scramble drill earlier um, last week against the Green Bay Packers, where nobody was open down the field. And I I highlighted this on Gridiron Films. Nobody was open. So he just said, ah, screw it. I'll take it. I'll do it my damn self. And he ran for about 10 yards. And that, that's one of the major differences between Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz is that, you know, Carson Wentz, all while being a, a great athlete, you know, Jalen Hurts has the wheels, those wheels that's, you know, that's missing from Carson Wentz's game. So well, my, my now, ex- T, hmm? T, remember, remember, Wentz was just this same way before getting injured. He uh, he liked getting out of the pocket and running. And, um, you know, you mentioned it. He, he was a he's a big athlete. He's um athletic. Um, and he did like to run out there, but he did learn his lesson when he dove um, over there to the uh, to the goal line against the Rams. He learned his lesson the hard way, and that's what I'm scared to see happen to Jalen Hurts, especially with this awful offensive line and their inability to protect the quarterback. So I'm going to let you go on your point. I just want to remind everyone that Carson Carson Wentz was the same way in the beginning of his career. That's a good point, and you definitely bring up a good point, but I think one difference is um... – with Jalen Hurts is that as you've seen against the Green Bay Packers game, he's not afraid to let it go. He's not going to hold on to that football, that 30 plus yard bomb to Jalen Rager down the sideline. He did not hold on to that ball. He noticed that, you know, Jalen Rager was one-on-one and there was one and there was no safeties deep. So he just automatically threw it. He did not hesitate. He did not hold on to the football. Carson Wentz, that's one of Carson Wentz's cardinal sins. So I do expect the ball to come out quickly. Um, I am hoping and I am praying um, that, a run game 
to help out Jalen Hurts in this game is established because you cannot throw a young quarterback into this messed up situation and not run the football. That's especially when you have Miles Sanders, who's averaging six plus yards a carry this season. Like, are you kidding me right now? Like this coaching staff gives up so easily on the run. It, it's annoying to me at this point and it infuriates me. So I hope the run is established for Jalen Hurts in this game going forward. Yeah, I definitely think it will be. You would expect some changes, uh, not just with the quarterback, but the offense as a whole. And I know that the Saints have a top three rushing defense in the league, but at the same time, you're right. You have to establish the run, and you really have to show the Saints, uh, Saints defense different looks. You don't, you know, they probably come in thinking they're going to throw the fo- the Eagles are going to throw the football a lot, but at the same time, you have to be prepared and really. The problem is, I guess I want to point out here, is that the defense is so good that will you be able to establish the run because you have guys up front that that defense as a whole uh, in New Orleans is really talented. So what do you expect uh, with Hurts here? Do you expect him to have a performance uh, that, you know, as far as you want to see more of him going forward, do you think he's going to struggle? What are your expectations with him personally as far as his own individual performance. I need everybody under the sound of my voice to understand this. Jalen Hurts is not going to come in to save this season. This season is done. It's cooked. All right? It's over. Put a fork in it. All right? The fat lady is singing. Okay? This season is done. All right? I, I need everybody to understand that. So at this point, we just need to be evaluating talent, honestly, at this point. So... With Jalen Hurts coming into this game, coming into this situation with a banged-up offensive line, receivers that can't get open, and the offensive coaching staff that refuses to run the football, I'm sorry, but you're you need to tamper down your expectations for Jalen Hurts. All right, he's he's yeah. really he's really coming into a messed-up situation. If you think he's going to come in and be like a Russell Wilson in his rookie season, you're sadly mistaken. I I, I just don't see that scenario happening. So I need everybody kind of just yeah. tamper their expectations down. Yeah, for me, I'm I'm really excited to see Jalen Hurts out there for fourth quarters, uh, hopefully. Um, but I, I don't think he's going to be awful, even though the Saints are one of the best defenses uh, in the league. Um, and we do have an awful offensive line. But I think Jalen Hurts is going to play. He's going to impress us some plays. Some plays you, you're going to remember that he obviously is a rookie. And you can't forget you. he did not play any preseason games. So this mm-hmm. is a completely different situation than all other seasons for one thing we have Carson Wentz who we thought some of us thought was our franchise quarterback and then you know the whole situation with uh, drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round then you have this you know the the flames uh, got bigger for this controversy of the the quarterback because now Jalen Hurts comes in against the Packers and he he throws a touchdown um, and he he's looking pretty well but I don't think I don't think we see him come out against the Saints and really impress us so much that we're like, wow, here's our next franchise quarterback. I think we're going to like some things. He maybe throws for, you know, just over 200 yards, maybe just one touchdown. Uh, he probably throws an interception, um, maybe even a Malcolm Jenkins uh, for him coming home uh, to the link. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think this is going to be a blowout game either. I think that the Eagles are going to keep with the Saints. I remember a few years ago, the Saints absolutely destroyed us, and it was it was terribly embarrassing. I don't think that's I don't think that's the way that this week is going to go against the Saints. I think uh, it's going to be a classic Eagles game with keeping it close until the end, where they blow it, or you think they have a shot with seconds left in the game, and then. Lo and behold, a fumble, interception, bad play call, something along those lines. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I've heard some fans say that they actually want Jalen Hurts to bomb so bad because they want Howie Roseman out so bad that, you know, they they don't want this thing to even look good at all. And I'm sorry, I, I just can't get along with that. Do I dislike Howie Roseman with a passion? in the sports world right now? Yes, I do. I think he does need to get fired at the end of the season because, honestly, this controversy, this quarterback controversy, has been brought on by him and the rest of the staff, whoever was involved in this pick. So, yes, I am highly disappointed in Howie Rosen, but at the same time, you can't wish ill will on this kid. I'm sorry. He's walking into a bad situation that I wouldn't even wish my worst enemy on. Yeah, yeah the thing is, there's not no to film mention- on him, right? There's no film on him, so you would expect him to have some success. He's going to have a little right, bit of not- success, no doubt about it. It's just that, you know, he's not walking into an ideal situation right. where he's he's like a Dak Prescott and he comes in with an all-pro running back in his rookie season in a wall of China called the offensive line. And right. 
pretty decent receivers. So, like I said, he, he's really coming into a messed up situation. So the, my expectations are kind of low. Yeah, for what you brought up against uh, with people wanting Jalen Hurts to to bomb this, that would put us in an even worse situation because now we're going into the draft with maybe a, even a top five uh, draft pick, and then now you have to maybe even focus on drafting another quarterback if Jalen Hurts bombs, and that is a terrible situation for us, especially considering the money that we pay Wentz. Um, and it just wouldn't be realistic to cut Wentz. I've seen some situations where it could make sense, maybe. And, of course, I've seen uh, five teams that would be interested in a trade, interested in a trade for Carson Wentz. Of course, the Colts are always going to be mentioned. you got the Chicago Bears. Um, and, and I even saw the Patriots, which made me so disgusted because uh. that would be really hard to root for Carson Wentz uh, oh, if, he, if man, he's on the Patriots. But yeah, back to that, it would it would put this team in an awful, awful situation if Jalen Hurts bombs and then Carson gets back in there and he sucks too. Um, and yeah, that, that would be terrible. Yeah. I think I learned my lesson. I think I learned my lesson with these Eagles. Uh, I'm definitely not picking them to win. You know, I've said that a few <laughs> weeks in a row, uh, trying to get some luck here and see if they can it's get It's funny to me too. I'm definitely not. I'm definitely not going with this uh, with, with it this week, I think. You know, because of the fact that her doesn't have any film on him, I think he'll have some success. But ultimately, the Saints are just too much of a powerhouse on both sides of the ball to uh, to pull out a dub here. But I want to flip it over to the other side of the coin, talk about Carson Wentz and his future. Um, you guys, I think we can all agree that it's time to bench him. I think his head is so messed up at this point, starting back when they drafted Jalen Hurts and having to watch Foles go on and win a Super Bowl without him. So there's just been so accumulating over time to really mess with him mentally as coach probably even him uh, because he comes out in the media this week and says he wants to get hurt some easy passes you know keep the offensive line um from you know harming him in any way and what i mean by that is people what they want to see overpower the offensive line and just sack them so he comes out and says a few questionable things because you could argue that why doesn't he do the same things for Wentz? have him get some easy passes his easy screen looks easy uh you know passes dump off out of the backfield you know just warm them up to the offense but going forward here you can't trade Wentz because it it's going to result in around a 34 million dollar cap hit so people out there who want to trade Carson and jump to the jump to those conclusions you got to realize that this isn't the MLB this isn't the NBA this these contracts work differently in the NFL and you can't just trade them not to cut uh, you off draft pick not to you cut gotta, you gotta, not to cut you off real quick, Max, but releasing him would cause more damage than it would be if we were course. to trade him. Agreed. Now, and, at least and with that's, trading that's the thing him, we think about. I, know, I will say we, this. I will say this. Yeah. Even with with trading him, you can work out a deal to where maybe the other team, who are, whoever you're trading him to, you can kind of work out a deal where it won't be as big of a cap hit on you. Depending so just to on put that if out there. they take the salary, but right now with his value so low, I don't think there's a single team in a league that would take on any of that salary and probably force the Eagles to uh, pay all of it, if not most yeah. of it. But that's the thing. We're going forward here, Carson Wentz. Uh, what's your, what are your decisions here? What do you think going forward? I, I think we can all agree you can't trade him unless out of the blue a team decides they want to take on like half of his contract. So for me personally, and then I'll throw it to you guys, you probably either have to bring in a new coach and get a whole new system going to fix yeah. Carson Wentz mentally. Um, physically, he's, he's been healthy this year, thank God. But – uh, I think you got to bring in a new coach for next season. And me personally, I think I definitely want Jalen Hurts to succeed, but I just feel like if you're going to get a new GM here and really tear down the whole situation, you want Hurts to succeed. And then I probably use him as a trade chip in the off season to try to get a high pick. That's just me personally. I want to hear what you guys have to say about it. Ladies, yeah, real quick. That? I have the, I have the numbers right here. Wentz is currently set to have a cap hit of $34.6 million in 2021. Uh, cutting him would move the cap up to $59.2 million and put the Eagles at around $89 million over cap. All right. So they won't be releasing. Uh, it would not be in their best interest to release Wentz, but I agree with the benching of Carson Wentz. And I, I came across some, some stats that just, you know, eyebrow raising stats that I understand why you bench Carson Wentz. Obviously, he's not playing well. I just don't understand why so late. Why late into the season? And I, I was not in agreement. Carson should have got benched two weeks ago. Mm. Really need to get benched. Eagles have allowed fifty-three sacks. This doesn't this doesn't have a lot to do with him? 
All right. He does hold on the ball a lot, the blind. The Eagles have allowed 53 sacks, ninth most in NFL history games. Uh, since sacks became an official NFL stat in 1982. What? Um, these are wow. just Eagle stats in general. Um, and here, here's a Carson Wentz stat. Carson Wentz, the first Eagle quarterback with a passer rating under 76 in five straight games since um, in 2005. Mm. Correct. And then this is the first have scored 17 or fewer points in four straight games since 2005. Uh, so this is looking a lot like the 2005 wow. team. And, you know, it's Jake- ridiculous. Yeah, man. It, yeah, this this team. It, T, let, let me ask you this question here because uh, I want to point out real quick, um, Tanner, not to cut you off. Which, I'm sorry to cut yeah. you off. But I want to point out this real fast to answer your question. I think it is the, the money. You know, the money is the issue there. I think I don't know who's calling the shots behind closed doors. Is it the coach? Is it the GM? But ultimately, when you're paying a quarterback $128 million on his contract, you don't want to come in, you know, week seven and be like, okay, you're benched because that just looks bad from you know whole organization standpoint whether it be the coach the quarterback even because his play is horrible and also the gm as well so i think that's what's brought it to this point i think because the giants have now a little bit of a cushion out there in first place along with the washington football team now's the opportunity to say well we're back in the division pretty far we also still have to play dallas i know you know we're nitpicking here third fourth place who really cares but at the end of the day I think now is the time because you only have four games left in the season. You want to see what you at least have in a guy, have some tape on him for other teams to see as well. Because as offseason comes, I'm clean house. And I, and I said, because the Phillies just got a, a new president, you know, the Sixers bring in Maury in this past offseason, two guys in their industries who have had previous success of winning uh, consistently. Now it's the Eagles' turn. You know, where do the Eagles go from here? Is Jeffrey Lurie going to be an aggressive enough owner? to really pull the trigger on this whole situation and not tear it down because I still think there's a few pieces here that, that are going to remain. Um, but here's the thing, two quarterbacks on this team with the amount of issues we have surrounding it, it's just a horrible look. I will and say, I just, I, I can't forgive Howie Roseman for that to you. I'm sorry. I just I, can't. I will say this though, Max, um, honestly, he probably does need to tear it down. Like it, this thing needs a total rebuild because of the simple fact that you Ever since the Super Bowl, you have failed to bring in talent that is adequate enough to return you to the Super Bowl status that you were trying to accomplish. All right. You right. this this team has failed miserably in doing that in terms of drafting young talent, in terms of bringing in talent from free agency, in terms of overpaying for, you know, overpriced free agents who really overstayed their welcome here. All right. For example. All right. And I'm about to go on a total huge rant about this. Alshon Jeffrey, what is the point of having him here and having him playing on the field at this point? All right. People been asking, why is Travis Fulgham not being played? Why is Travis Fulgham all of a sudden fall off the face of the earth? Because his steps are going to Alshon Jeffrey. Now that's a GM point. T. That's a, it's not a, it's not a coach's fault. I'm sure that Doug is getting a well, word from, from Howie Rosen and play him. He will, I don't think. Doug would just play Alshon Jeffrey just because he's talented, because obviously there's a lack in production there. <laughs> you, def- you definitely want to see Fulgham get the opportunities. But my point is, you're going to have Lane Johnson healthy next season, probably the top five right tackle, if not top three in the league. You're going to have Brandon Brooks hopefully back. I know he's coming off of major injury, but you'll have your whole right side of the offensive line back. Hopefully you can convince Jason Kelsey to play another year or two in the NFL. And then you get Andre Diller back, which is a big question mark, because at the end of the day, you have a pretty solid defensive line. I know Brandon Graham, you know, he's having a good season. His contract's going to be up soon. Derek Barnett, you have a big you have a big question there. What are you going to do with him in the offseason? But you have Hargrave, you have Fletcher Cox, Malik Jackson. So you have a good defensive front, which I think is one of the more important things. You okay. have – and, I, you know, I'm not going to say good because it has underperformance here too, but here's the, my, my point is yeah. you have depth. And that's a big thing in this league. Uh, and especially you have people with track records. You have Malik Jackson who has success. Hargrave ha- has had success. Maybe we fire the defense coordinator Schwartz and get a new system in here, but we have talented players on that defensive line. You can't in, deny that. In terms of Offense, that, in terms and of I that, want to point out real quick to Andre Diller, like I mentioned previously, that's okay. th- that's four out of five pieces on the offensive line. Me personally, if I'm building a football team, I don't start with a quarterback. 
I start with the lines because if you don't have an offensive line, it doesn't matter if you have Zeke. It doesn't matter if you have Saquon. It doesn't matter if you have Patrick Mahomes. He might be an exception because how great he's been early in his career. But at the end of the day, my point is you need to have a good offensive and defensive line to win. I'm I'm definitely not going to deny you there. You know I'm the biggest lineman guy that you will ever find. You know right. I I will get those guys back. On what do you think about sides. that? Though? What do you think about if the guys come back this, healthy? Though. If you have a good defensive line and a good offensive line, here's, here's you have the, a foundation there. Now you that's where you build around it. You know you I wish that Douglas panned out. I wish that Sidney Jones panned out because you wouldn't have to pay Slay sixty million dollars. You know so that's an issue too. But what do you think? Are, are you at least for, from a building block perspective? Are you at least fine and mentally with where this team is on the lines going into the next season in terms of the offensive line I'm not and here's the thing okay we're gonna get Lane Johnson back a healthier Lane Johnson I'll okay I I can rock with that he's 30 31 years old Brandon Brooks on the other hand this is his second season ending injury that he's had with us I'm a little I'm a little concerned at, at about that at this point. So right. I think that's a question mark. Jason Kelsey has been kind of underperforming this year. And also, you know, he's also, his play is also declining as well. No matter how smart he is, his play is declining. So I'm concerned about that as well. Um, y'all know how I feel about Isaac Ciamalo. Y'all know I, I, I really don't care for him. And yeah, then, so the only solid part I can see are my tackles. Left tackle, I'm good. Not necessarily. I'm not confident in Andre Dillard, but I am confident in Jordan Mailata. All right, now a right tackle, I am I am confident in Lane Johnson. Now I got to worry about the my interior offensive line. I have to rebuild that again. Okay, so let's say, let's say you go into next year with Isaac C. Amalo still a left guard. Okay, that's fine. You still have to address the center position and the right guard position and build depth from there because you you kind of sort of you you didn't really feel that. Very good. Right. As a matter now, of fact, Sandra, do you, you, do you agree to... with the depth thing? Do you, like we have Jack Driscoll, right? We're going to have Diller back healthy. We're going to have Mylotta, you know, so we're going to have about seven O-linemen who have NFL experience. Hopefully we, have, we don't have to play we have, the Matt Pryors of the world. Hopefully we don't have to play the Nate Herbigs of the world is my point. My thing is we have some depth, but it's not depth that I would necessarily be confident in. Like, uh, yeah, it's, in, yeah, it's, it's injuries. It's, that's what it is. You know, is Brandon Brooks going to come back and be strong? Yeah. Is, right. Is and that's my big thing. Now, in terms of the defensive line, they have definitely underperformed. Now, this is a, this the unit that probably hasn't been hampered by injuries as much. But yet and still, they continue to underperform. And I'm sorry, this got to be the top five most paid defensive line in the NFL. And they continue to underperform. They continue to get beaten off of the line of scrimmage. All right. They continue to get beaten up. Where are my sacks at? I'm sorry. Like, I pay this defensive line too much money for y'all to be underperforming like this. Fletcher Cox, I am highly disappointed. Fletcher Cox, Malik Jackson, and uh, Javon Hargrave. All the money, all the cap space put in the three of those guys. I invested in a first-round draft pick and, um, and shoot. Derek Barnett, I invested a first round draft pick in him, and yet and still he's underperformed all five seasons. Why should I have? Why should I have any inclination to bring him back? All right, Brandon Graham, who's kind of sort of woken up at this point at this point in his career, just got a new contract, so he's he's with us for another two years. But how long is that play going to last? So for real, for real, this defensive line that we keep piping up, we pay them to be good, but are they good? No. I'm sorry. Like I have, I just have. Very little confidence in this defensive line, unless there's a coaching change that's going to happen that can maybe bring the best out of these guys. Because right now, I'm not seeing this, the effort that's on the, the field. Yeah, the coaching is the key. Like I'm, I'm just not. I'm not seeing it, guys. I'm not seeing yeah. it in the film sessions. Go ahead, Tanner. Now back to the, this question about the offensive line before too involved in the in depth. Are you gonna have to deal with Nate the remaining games of the season and with Jason Peters out for the season with that toe surgery? So I am completely worried about this offensive line going forward, and I think that's where the draft needs to go. And unfortunately, you don't need the draft um, picks because we have some positions to um, to you know express about. But I think maybe second round you start, you know, starting back with uh, starting to build the line back up. Yeah, yeah, that I'll, I agree. On both yeah, sides. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think one thing I want to point out that I caught on Gridiron Films is the linebacking core and how poor it is, how out of place Alex Singleton was uh, after I sat here. I stuck up for Alex Singleton. I said he he had a great game, not a great game. He had a good game against Seattle that was pretty productive. Uh, he's been our leading tackle lawyer once or twice it's this stupid. year, but 
I mean, geez, right when Hertz is trying to bring us back in the game, you know, he stabs us in the back. He's way out of position on, on the Aaron Jones run, and he goes 75 yards to the house. I mean, stuff like that just can't happen. You can't come from the CFL and start for the Eagles at linebacker in the NFL. I'm sorry. And, and that's not Alex Singleton. I'm not blaming him uh, because of the decision to put him on the team. It's the general manager, and that's why I think where this starts at. I know Doug, he's had questionable – I mean, the whole season, listen – where we've been Eagles fans our entire lives. The whole season has been one of the worst in memory that we can remember. But overall, everything needs to be changed. There needs to be a complete overhaul of the situation. You have a quarterback who you're tied to, you're married to. We've, we've stated that. And because of that, he's not going anywhere, right? Because before all this happened, we were trying to figure out, okay, Wentz, Doug, Howie, who are you keeping? Where's the priorities at? Wentz, by default, is your quarterback going forward. I know Hurts, we want to see what he has, but there's no getting – you're not going to bench Carson Wentz. So my point is, I don't care what people say. I don't care how great Jalen Hurts plays. We're having Carson Wentz start the season in 2021. Now, what he does with it, that remains to be seen. But Jalen Hurts is not going to be the starting quarterback of the Eagles uh, after this season. And I'll stay – we can bring, it, we can bring this recording back up in the future, too. Yeah, can, I can't Because here's the thing. He's not. That. I know. We all probably want him to be. We want to give him a shot. But we just have too much money wrapped up in Wentz. So the thing is, you need to bring a new coach in because this coach obviously is not working well with Wentz and Doug Peterson. The GM, just based on the fact that it has nothing to do with Wentz, it has the fact that what has he done to help Wentz? And that the answer to that is not much. He brings it. In fact, he hurt him. He brings in yeah. Jalen Hurts to mess with his head mentally. No one really believes in him. You know, when, when your coach doesn't believe in you, he looks to his right, his coach doesn't believe in him. When he looks to his left, his GM doesn't believe in him. When he looks behind him, he's got a quarterback breathing down his neck to take his job. So, really, he's got to look in the mirror and say, who has my back? Nobody in the organization really does. Does Jeffrey Lurie even have his back? Uh, we don't know what's going on behind closed doors, but it's just a shame. But at the end of the day, he's going to be the starter next season. And I agree with Tanner's point. This draft is huge for us coming up, and we need a new GM in here because we know that Howie Rosen has little success in the past drafting, period. And we need to draft a wide receiver, and I don't care what round it is. I prefer to be a good one, you know, and not take a flyer like Howie Roseman did on Watkins and John Hightower. I want a guy that's established from college football, maybe uh, Power 5 school and not like maybe the North Dakota State slash, you know, maybe even Boise State where John Hightower came from. Come on, you know, take somebody from the SEC yeah. when in doubt. I see Devontae Smith at Alabama. I see Jamar Chase with Joe Burrow. I know he opted out this season, but at the end of the day, listen, you need a receiver, you need a linebacker. Those are my two biggest issues right now. I know, T, you got questions with the offensive line, um, and I agree with that. You know, obviously, there, ha there is questions because of the injuries. How are people going to come back? But for you guys moving into this draft going forward, and Tanner, I'll throw it to you first, do you agree with the assessment that Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, you, you, is your priority here lay in the hands of a wide receiver, even though we just took one in the first round last year? I think it has to, uh, but also it depends on how Jalen Hurts does with the remainder of the season. Um, because I, I, not I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to establish himself as a franchise quarterback at the end of this season. But I think if Carson Wentz uh, starts doing so terribly uh, next season in the beginning too, and we have the same situation, I think that they're going to need to they're going to need to keep that in mind while drafting in this draft and figure out the players that their quarterback that they think that they're going to go to in the future is going to have a, a nice setup. And we're mentioning Howie Roseman and his mistakes at drafting. And I don't think we're going to get a different draft unless we have a different guy, uh, a different GM drafting. And just to go back, Jordan Matthews, uh, we selected him over Devontae Adams. That was Chip uh, Kelly. J.J. Arthega Whiteside over – well, yeah. Our, this is as a team. As a team, yeah. the draft yeah, for wide receivers. J.J. Ortega white side over D.K. Metcalf, and, of course, Jalen Reger over Justin Jefferson, who we all I'm assumed that we – I personally assumed that we were going to get Justin Jefferson um, with the other one uh, wide receivers going off the board, and I thought that's who they said. They said J – and then I thought, here, here's Justin Jefferson, but Jalen Reger, some guy that I've – barely even heard of before I, and I will go on record as saying this I said that you know I didn't think Justin Jefferson was the right pick I, I did say that and I, I I swore up and down that he was just a slot receiver but man he has lit up the NFL his route running is crisp 
for somebody of his experience in the NFL and the ability and his ability to get open by himself is bar none. Some of the be- most beautiful thing I have ever seen. So I'm going to give myself one of these. You big dummy. I- I'll take that gracefully. Well, it happens to the best of us. I'm going to state an unpopular opinion right now. And that I could argue is that Miles Sanders wasn't a good pick either. One, because not, not that he's not talented, but because of the fact that we haven't even used him, right? We're only using him with eight to 10 carries a game. I, I much rather have a proven second round linebacker to help out, you know, TJ Edwards and Alex Singleton, because that, that core is just absolutely abysmal. And also on top of that, you don't need to have a solid running back or, you know, first, second round running back to win in this league. I'd much rather have a solid right guard, a solid center, a tackle, something, because you need depth at those positions. We won a Super Bowl with LeGarrette Blount, with Corey Clement, with Jay Ajayi, like we've mentioned before. And I just don't think at the time, even I didn't, I knew Miles Sanders was talented. So that's why I didn't hate the pick, but I knew there was other needs that we uh, should have acquired at the draft. I mean, you look later on, you know, not in that specific draft, but you have Alvin Kamara, third round pick. And I want to point out even Miles Gaskin with the, with the, Dolphins this year, a seventh round pick. I mean, you just don't draft running backs high. Look at Zeke this year. When he doesn't have an offensive line, he's having his worst season of his career. So it doesn't matter who your running back is. You don't take one that high. You you invest in the in the cornerback position, you invest in the pass rushing position, and you invest in the O line first. And then you gotta get you gotta hit. You got that's why you're you're getting paid the GM. You gotta hit on those fifth, those fourth, fifth round picks. Uh, and hopefully get talent that way. And then that's when you have free agency. You don't go into the offseason, throw all your money on the table for Darius Slut because you're just making up your issues. You couldn't you couldn't succeed in the draft with those corner positions. Yeah, right. I, I agree with you, Max. I think that wide receivers should be top priority over running backs because I okay. feel like any draft you can find a, a running back who, who's going to put up good production for a team, whether it's, you know, for just for a couple of years, you know, just to name a few guys, not considering their rounds or something, but you can come across a Jonathan Taylor type player. And as you mentioned, like a, a Miles Gaskin. David Montgomery, um, his third round. Yeah, pick, exactly. Kevin just Singletary. those guys. Yeah. Yeah, I think even just Boston. classic running back guys that are going to do the job for you when you need them to. I think but even the Boston important Scott thing is hitting. Boston Scott was yeah, like a fifth, sixth round pick. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, later on is hitting on, on like a a DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, obviously, you got to focus on more like that. The Devontae, not like maybe even a Devontae Parker type wide receiver. It's just I put wide receivers above the running backs because mm-hmm. there's just so many. Uh, so many more talented running backs coming out of college all the time. And it, it, it's harder to hit on that wide receiver, especially for this team. Oh, well, I goodness. agree. So harder. Yeah. Well, listen, I want to wrap up this Eagles point here, but I want to get your thoughts going forward as far as what positions I know we, we were, we're harping here, but I think as a line and we're going to have our draft, uh, our draft board coming up as, as the winner, you know, we go through it. And as you know, the spring comes and the draft comes, we're going to get you guys the the draft board and our picks. So don't have to worry about that. But what T when you go, and I know you haven't started yet, but when you go to put that draft board together, what are like the top two or three positions you're looking at uh, for the season? Because you expect, and, and I know there's so many, you know, question marks here. That's why it's hard because we don't know if the coach is going to be here. We don't know if the GM is going to be here. We don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be like. And those are the three most important things in an organization. So I know I'm throwing you a curveball here, but mm-hmm. what are your two or three positions in need as we stand right now going forward? I tell you something right now is the off season um, is um, almost coming to a, it's coming towards us. Um, there's there's actually three positions to actually um, that I'm going to start looking at and I'm going to start looking at film with. First, got to be linebacker. You have got to address linebacker. All right, you don't just need one linebacker. You need two. All right, that's yeah. you're in a horrible position right now in terms of linebacker. You're going to need two linebackers. That's first and foremost. And another thing, um, you touched on Darius Slay earlier, which brings me to my number two position. You're going to need another outside corner. I pointed it out in Gridiron Films. Avante Maddox is trash on the outside. I'm sorry, he cannot. 
All right, he can't even cover man. That man cannot cover himself with a blanket when he's cold at night. All right, that's how bad he is at covering right receivers on the outside. He can't do it. All right, he gets burned constantly. So it doesn't help that Darius Slay doesn't have any help on the other side of him. All right, and speaking of Darius Slay, he's really a number two corner now. He he cannot cover the top the top right receivers anymore. He 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 does not have that talent. I anymore. think he's proven that over the last few weeks. Too. He he doesn't. So you're gonna need another outside corner to compliment Darius Slay at this point. In my number three position, you <laughs> you need a pass rusher. I, I know I'm leaning heavy so defense going all here. Defense. I know I'm leaning heavy defense here, but you're going to need a pass rusher because of the simple fact that Okay, this DTs, these DTs, they haven't proven anything to me. Okay, Brandon Graham, okay, I'll, I'll give you that. He's he's playing out of he'll his mind another this year. year. Another year he'll be here. But Derek Barnett has given me nothing, and he's on the last year of his contract. So who's, who's going to be behind him? Are you going to put Josh Sweat out there? Like, come on now. Like, this pass rush needs to kind of – you need to give this pass rush a boost. Seriously. Do I Agreed. do I agree with the fact that we need another right receiver? Oh, yeah, I think we do. Definitely. Yes. Now, now we hit. Now, see, this is my point, and I'm going to throw up the tender for his three, but you're going to need uh, those positions, but you're also going to need a receiver, like you said. So we're going to have to hit on some of those players in free agency and not only the draft, but, yes, yeah, free agency as well. So Tanner, what about you? Are you are you leaning heavy D here? Or are you uh, are you having or um, excuse me? Are you leaning more towards a wide receiver maybe as your top priority? No, um, I'm not. Just for the fact that the last couple seasons we've been drafting wide receivers and it hasn't worked for us. So I think free agency might be the I don't know who's going to be on the board free agency wise, and I'm right. sure we're not gonna we're not gonna hit on that either. But for me personally, I think we need to play this draft a little different than what we've been playing. I think we should keep in mind uh the the positions that we need to draft but if there's someone on that draft board that should have got drafted top five and we're we're in the second round and he's still there draft him yeah because i'm tired of uh, of the eagles passing on guys uh because they they have one guy in mind uh um, hey you play it how play it how teams play that draft after us they're like oh the eagles they're, they're definitely going to draft this guy he's good justin jefferson and then the vikings see justin jefferson still on the board they draft him that's exactly it's how i think that we we should draft if we're looking for a linebacker and the, the top cornerback is still left on the board draft the cornerback go ahead and then draft the linebacker next round and then maybe in the third round you draft a wide receiver but top priority is drafting the best player uh in the draft, either cornerback or linebacker, and I don't want them to stick with one guy in mind and have, you know, oh, this guy, you know, he in college, blah, 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 he did this, and I don't like him because of that. No, draft him. Um, if he if he's one of the best players in college, draft him. I don't care. Even if he's a wide receiver, even if there is the, you know, I, I haven't looked much at this mock draft, right. but even still, if there's a guy that, you know, a position that we don't quite, really need top priority if you're in the fourth round and there's you know there maybe I don't know but if there's a good player if the cornerbacks if there's still two cornerbacks left and you're on your second round you already drafted a cornerback draft another one I want winners yeah I agree I think that's one thing that we haven't really done lately and you know we go out we we have like we mentioned on previous shows J.K. Dobbins there in the second round and we have one player in mind that's a quarterback that's Jalen Hurts and we skip over all that talent and we take the quarterback instead just awful pick. I mean, I know Hartz is going to step in here. I'm rooting for him to do well this Sunday. But as of right now, where it stands, Jalen Rager doesn't look to be a number one. You know, he's probably a number two slot guy in the uh, NFL or deep threat also. But you're definitely going to need uh, a number one wide receiver. So that's to be – are you going to invest heavily uh, in that D-line, in the cornerback position, in a linebacker position early on, or are you going to go up there and get one of those stud wide receivers? Either way, like Tanner said – Pick a stud. Pick the best guy available. It doesn't matter what position he plays. As long as it's a need, I think that's most important. Guys, I want to roll and dive into some Phillies talk here. Did we bring in Dave Dombrowski? I said it on last Crap week's ass show. Vargas. That was the guy that I wanted. And I think it's pretty much because of the pedigree he's had, right? He, he's won a World Series in 1997 uh, with the Miami Marlins. Uh, there was a young T back then. Uh, then he goes out and he wins another one. 2018 with the Boston Red Sox and also the Detroit Tigers team back when they had Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer and Miguel Cabrera. He, he brought that team in basically from scratch and he's made a gr- couple of great trades, a couple of questionable trades over his time. Um, you know, he brings Miguel Cabrera from Miami in his early years to Detroit. 
builds a solid team there. Uh, signs Justin Verlander uh, to a big contract extension, which was great. Um, and he's ha- and he's also signed a couple of guys who probably didn't pan out to big contracts. And I'm going to throw David Price's name out there. Uh, that obviously didn't work out in Boston. He's now with the Dodgers. I know we haven't heard his name in a while because he opted out this past season. But overall, I think this is a good hiring. I think John Milton, uh, you know, over he's got a lot of heat recently and probably well-deserved. But he brings in a guy with uh, an established resume to go along with an established coach and manager and Joe Girardi. So at least he's doing the right things on his part uh, because we didn't think he was going to, right? We, we thought, you know, Ned Rice was going to roll into this offseason as our interim G- GM and, you know, make decisions that he probably doesn't have the most experience, uh, you know, background in. So it's good to bring in Dabrowski uh, with the pedigree. And uh, I think moving forward here, guys, because of the fact that we haven't hit on any draft picks, that really screwed up our rebuild. Once Rollins, Utley, Howard retire, you know, we draft Adam Hazley in 2017. We draft J.P. Crawford. We draft Scott Kingery. Guys that just didn't pan out. And I think Dabrowski's in here to hopefully hit on some of those picks. I will give him credit for the Alec Bohm pick as well. But Mickey Moniak, another guy who still hasn't made his mark in the major leagues. And he's been around, what, four years now. So like, let's get your thoughts, uh, both of you guys, uh, early on here. What your expectations are now that we actually have a guy who has experience uh, rolling to this offseason, starting with J.T. Real Muto. Do you think he's back? Mm. Um, he, he did say in the press conference, um, I have the quote right here. There's flexibility to make moves. Is there enough to get something like that done? I'm not sure. So that's still, uh, still everything's up in the air. Um, he mentioned that, you know, obviously he wants to win in 2021, but he's going in with, you know, limited amount of money. Um, this team he said is more than just one player away from uh, being a championship team. Uh, you look at that awful bullpen, and that, to me, needs the the topmost focus uh, under signing JT Romuto. And I don't know if that's you know, a likely possibility. There is uh, less interest in retaining JT Romuto uh, because of, you know, money-wise in the club. There's, there's a lot of people that are just not behind it anymore because of money. Right. Um, now, you look at Reese Hoskins – and obviously Bryce Harper. And I think the main focus of the roster was to build around those two players. But now going in, you see Reese Hoskins. um, He kind of had a slump, kind of had a slump um, last season. And I wouldn't be upset seeing him leave. And especially, you know, if you you get rid of him now, he has a little more value. Um, And it's easy for Dombrowski to come here and he doesn't have a connection really with the players and to start moving players now um it, it is easier for him but i think that and he said it too that this team is more than just one player away and it's he's it's not a rebuild but he said it a retooling process of course which is basically uh, uh, which, is, which is basically a fancy word for is going to take some years to get this team together right. because let's be honest here you know they the phillies were stacked with batters batters that couldn't even get guys get runs in unless it was like a whole avalanche of runs in one game. And then the next game they would come out and only get like one, two runs. That was very frustrating. Not to mention the fact that like, like we've been complaining year in and year out, this bullpen was horrible. All right. This bullpen was horribly uh, constructed. All right. They, yeah. they couldn't hold a lead. Um, they couldn't come in for a starter if a starter was having a bad day. Like, th- like this team is going to 7.6 ERA. And I completely agree with his sentiment that this isn't going to be a one-year fix. This, this team isn't just one or two players away. Like, and and then on top of that, like I'm sorry, I got to take jabs at um, got to take jabs at Max's boy. But when you pay somebody three hundred thirty million dollars, you're not going to have a whole lot of money to give out to everybody else. I'm sorry, you committed that much money to one person, so it's going to be kind of hard to bring in the guys that you need. All right, to fill in this roster. Uh, do I have confidence that he's going to do it because he has experience doing it? Yes. I, I I do think that he is the right guy for the job. I just need Philly fans to understand that this is not going to take one year or possibly even two years. This is going to be a nice three year, three plus year process to really get this team where we want it to be. Well, see, I hate to agree with you, but I think you're right. You know, J, uh, Bryce is going to make about $26 million uh, this upcoming season. Now you need a star player. You need somebody to build around. You need somebody to put, fans in the seats all right it's not about just the production on the field Bryce does more for you than just 
numbers up in the stat sheet, right? Now, here's the issue I have. You have Bryce Harper here making $26 million in 2021. You have Zach Wheeler making $22 million in mm-hmm. 2021. You have Segur making $14.5 million, and you have Nolan making $11 million around there. For So your top guys right off the bat are making a lot of money. So you have to look through this and say, where can we cut costs? You're not getting rid of Harper, so he's on the books. You shouldn't get rid of Wheeler. You signed the big contract. Pitching is a need on this team right now. I know he's making 22 mil. It's a lot for a pitcher, but listen, he's got a, a high percentage of fastball rate last season, and he had a good success with it as also. Then you look at Nola, great signing, only $11 million. I know it's still 11, but for his talent, that's definitely a steal in my opinion going forward because you have him locked up. I know – uh, we, we locked him off at what about two years ago to that long that that big contract. So yep. I'm going to say the guy who needs to go is Gene Segura making that 14.5 million. You got to get him off the books. The thing I want to point out here is you got to get one of those uh, or not one, but you need more than one of those one million to two million guys, maybe in the minor leagues to come up and really hit. You know, you have to find diamonds in the rough here because. Uh, it's not just about talent, right? When you sign some of these big time free agents to these contracts. You have to have you know your prospects pan out, and that's one thing I go back to the draft. We just haven't hit on as many draft picks as we should have or could have. I hear you. And I throw J.P. Crawford's name in there when we draft J.P. Uh, Crawford a few years back. Tim Anderson and Aaron Judge go right after him. Take you know other guys, Adam Hazley, for example. Ian Anderson uh, goes not after him, but around his time. At, it is after him in the draft, but. Uh, he comes in and has success in the postseason with the Atlanta Braves. So Alec Bohm and Aaron Nola are the two exceptions. Those are those two guys hit. You got to plug in uh, Bohm at third base for the future. And to Tanner's point with Reese Hoskins, I want to say this. He's not making too much money. And I think the way he's been playing the last couple seasons, when it gets to that contract extension, he's not going to command a ton of money on the market just because stats, his performance on the field in recent years – uh, has not been productive. So I thought two years ago when he came on and burst onto the scene in August of 2017 and hit all those home runs, I thought, wow, we really got something here. But as the years went on, yeah. his production completely slacked. Yeah. Well, I, I understand what you were saying about Reese Hoskins, but also if it comes down to it and you're away from a trade, maybe with, you know, I'm I'm reaching here, but with Blake Snell and um, you put Reese Hoskins there on the trade board as well for that. That makes the trade a little more acceptable. So what I'm saying, we could use Reese Hoskins more than probably next year if he, if he, um, if he stinks. My thing, right. I, my I thing see is that, but, but here's the thing. If you have Boehm, and I don't really buy into the whole Kingry thing at second base, but if you have Boehm and Hoskins there who can put in a good offseason of work and you have your corners uh, you know, established with – JT getting him back. I think everybody in the organization wants him back. Dave Dombrowski said from top to bottom, everybody wants him back. I think we have a good shot. I think we have a better shot now with Dombrowski in the front office. So if you can get him back behind the plate, you really have to focus on, you know, you have obviously Harper in right field. And one name I want to, before I let T go here, one name I want to mention here that I forgot to is Ange McCutcheon. And he's on the books for $20 million in 2021. Sheesh. For a guy with, with Tanner and T, you guys saw it last season. His knees still aren't 100%. They're not as they used to be. Uh, he's not playing great defense out there in left field, running-wise, chasing down balls into the corner. Um, and as Andrew a leadoff hitter and as a leader, clutching. he definitely still has that you know establishment in the locker room. But that's a contract you probably want to look to move and get that $20 million cleared. Um, my thing is, my thing is this. Though, I don't know if you guys remember me saying this, but when we were back in the studio, and I had suggested that you know we move Reese Hoskins, and a lot of you guys looked at me and was like, you know, T, is you crazy? I'm like, no, move him, <laughs> like move him now. Why he has value? Move him. Like, don't yeah. hesitate. Move him now. And now we are unfortunately now in a position where his value has decreased. All right. You, even if you were to trade him, you can't get the necessary value that you want in return for Reese Hoskins anymore. So like my thing is this, like it's, it's something up with these Philadelphia organizations where they just hold on to players for too long. And I'm sorry, like he has no value to us no more at this point. It's like you described before, you know, we have all these other players that can do the same thing that he does now. And then he, what he's batting has decreased tremendously. He's not, 
he's not hitting home runs out of the ballpark anymore. So like, I'm sorry, but you, you should have got rid of Reese Hoskins a while ago, and you didn't. You kind of the thing with Hoskins is the contract. That that's the whole, that's why I think he stays in the Phillies uniform. And I think also, you know, he used to be number one in Tanner's fan club, but the recent <laughs> stretches of, you know, inconsistency and underperforming, I think have uh, crossed the line there with Tanner. And listen, I think I'm going to stick on the Reese Hoskins bandwagon here. And part of that is the contract, but also who do you have coming up to take over the first base? Just, yeah, you can throw $2 million, $5 million to a guy on a one-year contract to come in and cover you, maybe a Logan Morrison or somebody like that for a year. But overall, I still think Hoskins has potential, and that's the reason why I still want to keep him in a Phillies uniform. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I want to do it. Um, I think McCutcheon, if you can get rid of him, clear the books off that $20 million contract, which I think at the time even I questioned it because you're paying a guy, what did he get, 50 or $60 million over three What's he years? Here for just too much. And Segura, I like the trade just because we got rid of Carlos Santana. But in the process, we gave up on J.P. Crawford, who had a great season last year with the Seattle Mariners. So, you know, we had that's why you had to sign D.D. Gregorius to that $18 million contract last year. He's a guy that I probably don't expect back in a Phillies uniform. But, you know, when you look at this and dive into it, I really think the Bryce Harper signing overshadowed what Matt Klintak did as a GM because there was just a couple of bad decisions. Signing Carlos Santana in the first place, who had the worst season of his career in his one year in a Phillies uniform. He goes back to Cleveland last year performs well he just got a big contract with the Royals this offseason then you have Segura on the books with 14 and a half million you don't know what to do with is he a shortstop is he a second baseman what do you do with Gene Segura then you go out and you sign Andrew McCutcheon 20 million dollars a year to play uh the left field now I know he tears his ACL but still he plays the left field position can't cover center anymore uh and now he has injuries and you're still owing him that 20 million so you got to get rid of McCutcheon, in my opinion. I love him, but I think in order to clear, because the money is the issue right now. The money is the problem. You got to clear the money. You got to get rid of Segura and trade him. You have to get rid of McCutcheon. That's where I stand at this point. Yeah, you know, it, it really hurt us um, because the Phillies were in win now mode uh, when they, you know, when they signed Bryce Harper and this, they thought this team was going to be so much better. But then when it wasn't, we it 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 kind of destroyed uh, this team because now we plugged in pieces that we think were valuable to win a championship to, to win a world series and we didn't even get to the playoffs uh the last two years you know um right. the guy max taz on his wall on a poster uh he didn't <laughs> you know perform as we thought he would he still played good but he wasn't you know he didn't it didn't seem to take over the team as much as it should have um i loved watching bryce harper uh first year when he was a philly at the games i was there to see his walk off grand slam and all that but um, going back to what you were saying about Gene saying about Gene Segura, I can, I agree with moving him and this team is in, you know, as we mentioned with the Eagles, they're not in a good situation and that has to do with, you know, their farm system. And also just like how awful our offensive line is for the Eagles, our bullpen is the worst in MLB history. And that, just like Zombrowski said today, that that's going to be the focal point going forward because that is that is a huge yeah. problem. To wrap this up real quick, why didn't we wait on Vinny Velasquez and David Hale and Hector Neris? Why did we? I, unless there was a deadline Gosh. for their arbitration, I'm not sure off the top of my head. What's he but why didn't we wait an extra week before we gave those guys contracts? Because I'm sure Zombrowski probably comes in here and says, "What what is Hector Neris still doing in my locker room?" My guess is, and this is just my estimated guess, is that they didn't know that they would get an opportunity to sign a guy like him. Yeah, he so. did say that he wanted to have an expansion team in Nashville. He was solely focused on that. But John Middleton, being as aggressive as he is, starting with the Harper deal and then you know calling Dave Dabrowski on the phone constantly, uh, giving him a four-year, $20 million deal, which we did not mention. Uh, those are the terms in the contract for Dave Dabrowski. So uh, moving forward, uh, at least in this offseason, uh, it's going to be different probably different than in all years past because of the simple fact that people don't know with COVID and all the money situation, the contracts, not a lot of people have signed Uh, in a normal year. We're talking about the winter meetings and GMs getting together to discuss player contracts. Probably won't have those this year, at least in person, maybe virtually, Uh, but it remains to be seen. And hopefully we can come in here and number one priority, in my opinion, still. And I think we can all agree is re-sign JT Real Muto. So, 
Guys, before we wrap this thing up, I want to get your opinions here on the Sixers as preseason begins uh, tonight, actually. And the Sixers obviously don't play their preseason games just yet. They'll have two against the Celtics and the Pacers before the season starts. But overall, what do you guys think? What do you guys think that this team's going to do in the in this upcoming season? And I want to pinpoint here in your thoughts of Danny Green specifically and Dwight Howard as the veterans. Um, I think they bring a different presence to uh, this locker room that they didn't have. It's one thing that I kind of wish that, you know, uh, that these these young players, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, had was that, you know, constant veteran presence. It's 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 like that year that we had, you know, J.J. Redick and, you know, we had Jimmy Butler. There was a veteran presence in the locker room, and you can see that their play increased because right. of that. So I think with these veterans in the locker room, you know, helping to push these guys and develop these guys' game, I think it's a huge. I think I think it's a huge advantage for these young guys, and I think it can only better them and uh, better their games. I'm I'm going to tamper down my expectations. I think um, I think they're going to finish at least fourth, fifth seed this year because um, I still think they need to add a couple more pieces to really complement you know, the rest of the guys, but I do like what they've done so far, putting shooters around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And I like how Doc Rivers is already, you know, having some confidence out there. He's like, hey, hey, teams, I, I dare you to double team Joel Embiid. I, I like that confidence. I'm digging yeah. it. Hey, T, don't get too comfortable with this duo, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, really? quite yet, because, you know, of course, there's that hot topic of James Harden. What team's he mm, going to go to? Um, he was holding out on you know, training camp. And I know that he had to pass the next six COVID tests for him to go back, but he, he was, you know, he was doing more activities to show the team that he purposely did not go to training camp. He went to a specific club where they do specific things. Yeah. Um, And (laughs) both in Atlanta and in Vegas, right? Stay thirsty, my friend. But there's a lot of emotion uh, behind this trade. It's going to be, are we giving up Joel Embiid for Ben Simmons, which I think it would work better with Joel Embiid and, and Harden. Uh, I believe that that is, uh, makes more sense, and it would obviously make more sense for a trade because I think the Rockets would do no trade if it didn't. It, they wouldn't do a trade if it didn't involve Ben Simmons. That's me personally. I think we would have to give up Ben Simmons yep. um, for James Harden, and that's just the way it looks. But uh, you go back to, you know, uh, the Rockets and how Daryl Morey unexpectedly uh, stepped down uh, from the Rockets and now he's on the Sixers and you look do the Rockets want to trade Harden over to the Sixers uh, where Morey is the president so there's drama like that stuff going on too and we had on our story that James Harden um, put the Sixers as his you know a top team to go to and it's looking more and more like that it's just whether or not the Rockets will pull the trigger on trading over James Harden because I think the Earl Morey is fully willing to give up uh, Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid probably uh, Tanner behind closed doors he stated that he likes the the combination of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons but he's always loved James Harden he said that previously but overall, I think one thing we have to consider here is the fact that James Harden didn't want to come to Philadelphia in the first place, right? He wanted to go to the Brooklyn Nets. Now that he's not getting his own way, he adds the Sixers there. And you have to really question if he wants to be here long term. Do you really want to give up Ben Simmons for a guy who might not even want to play in your own uniform? So don't right. just go out there and give up a King's Ransom for James Harden. Agreed. He's really trying to force the hand of Houston, and they really gave him everything. He didn't want Russell Westbrook. He's gone. He didn't want Dwight Howard. He was gone. He didn't want Chris Paul. He was gone. He's really gotten everything he's demanded there in Houston, and he's still not happy. So Agreed. don't just because of the fact that he's a top three talent in the league, throw all your chips yeah. in the one table, all your chips in the table. I agree. Now, this could actually go to benefit us uh, because if James Harden um, still, there's not a deal done and he's still holding out and he's showing the team he does not want to play for this team, they might be forced into trading him. And that yeah. that'll that'll probably work in our benefit because then, by some miracle, we don't give up uh, Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid. We give up, you know, maybe even everyone else. Tobias um, Harris and, and get rid of that contract. Yeah. has always been my point. Yep. Yeah, and that would be absolutely great, and I that hundred percent worth it. Even if James Harden doesn't want to stay in a six-year uniform, you clear that money off the books for the future. Yeah. And if Harden wants to leave, fine, because you have that cap space to sign other free agents. 
Yeah, then you have the opportunity for James Harden. You know, you have Joel Embiid there. He's a he's a personality. Um, maybe right. not a lot of players would you know mesh with him, but I think uh, him and James Harden could establish a, a sort of bond and maybe make um, James Harden want to stay in Philadelphia. Well, guys, as we wrap up the show here, I want to say Joel Embiid again, saying that he is in best shape of his life mm, and he wants yeah, to play right. 20 years in this league. So I think we've heard that one before, but yeah, we'll have to see how it plays out, man. He's a father he is. now. Okay, is Things that supposed change, to change anything? Carson Wentz is a dad and he started stinking up the joint. Let's be honest here. I guess it can go both ways. Too. I guess it can go both ways. I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. I'm just saying. Right, that's fair. All right. You guys missed any of this episode, you can always go to philly-experience.simplecast.com, available on all major downloadable platforms, also available on YouTube. I think I got a, a serious fear that these teams are going to give us coal for this holiday season, guys. I'm just I'm just saying. Well, at least the Eagles. We'll yeah. see about the others. Yeah, I, I got a little hope for the Sixers. But... Anybody had the, had the Eagles winning this weekend? Huh? What? Nah, come on, Max. We're done with yeah, that. Yeah, I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson. What's wrong with you? Just got to sit back and enjoy Jalen Hurts yeah. on your center. Yeah. At least it's, at least it's a, a change. I don't know if it'll be a good one, but we'll yeah. see. Yeah, was... Once again, another thing to keep us watching, these Philadelphia Eagles. That's the, only, that's the only thing that's going to keep me watching. Surprise, mother Take me out, coach. Kind of circumcising the mosquito. I want me some glory hope. Stay thirsty, my friends. But they are who we thought they were.